Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is Mima and writer extraordinaire, educator extraordinaire, the man himself, Bitstein, Michael Goldstein, that's been around dropping truth bombs and educational pieces in Bitcoin for many a year. If you've never seen any of his memes or read any of his work, go follow him straight away and uh, get yourself up to speed. I hope this interview is uh, a welcome introduction if this is the first time for you guys to, to meet Michael. For those of you that have been following for many years, I'm sure you'll enjoy this rip. And we're going to delve into a few of his ideas, and especially in this episode, we talk about his writing, uh, his article, uh, A New Node Order, which uh, I listened to, read by Guy Swan. Thank you, Guy. And uh, I urge everybody listening to this to get up to speed on that article as well. So before we get into the show, please make sure you are showing support to the show sponsors because they're going to be able to help you stack sats. They're going to be able to help you up your privacy and then take complete control in your code storage in that order as well. So we'll start with stacking. Who do you want to use to stack? Bitcoin only companies, basically. That's it. You can do that in the US with Swan Bitcoin. They have a whole suite of services. You can get a white glove service. They're going to help you with tax, inheritance planning, stacking, smash buying, setting up your dollar cost average, and much more, as well as education. In Relay, we have, in Europe, excuse me, we have Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten. Download the app, use the code Bitten, or just hit that link in the show notes, and that's going to save you on some commissions, but they have the same service for you as well. Now, Coin Corner are an exchange where you can set up an account like you would with any other exchange. You can download their app as well. You can use their bulk card. You can get everything all linked together, and then you can use your bulk card as you would uh, an ATM card if you are able to frequent places that accept Bitcoin. And then that's just going to pull Bitcoin via the Lightning Network straight out of your account. They also get merchants set up with merchant accounts and give them the opportunity. Uh, the opportunity and possibility to accept Bitcoin as well. Hoddle Hoddle have you covered if you want KYC free sats. They are global peer-to-peer trading platform and they also have peer-to-peer lending as well which might become something a lot bigger over the next couple of years and something you might want to get up to speed with before you might ever need that service. They also throw the Baltic Honey Badger in Riga in Latvia that's going to be 3rd of September there will be no discounts, so make sure you get your tickets in advance. If you want to up your privacy, you could use a CoinJoin service. WasabiWallet.io is the quickest and easiest way that I've found. It's great software. You just go to that website, download it, give it a test, run some coins through. Especially if you're one of those people that have... If you're waiting for a hardware wallet, don't wait. Just download WasabiWallet.io, download it, get some coins off and start that coin join process, then you can get them onto your cold storage wallet. For example, shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and the code bitten saves you 5% on that particular device. Now, 
coming up, and we're about to lose the music here. Coming up, we've got some conferences. We have, of course, in uh, I'll try and do it in order. May we have the Bitcoin conference in Miami, and in June we have the BTC conference in Prague. And towards the end of the year, we've got Liberty in Our Lifetime, which is not a particularly focused on Bitcoin only conference, but a great conference put on the by the Free Cities Foundation and uh, really worth checking out. So if you want any discounts to these particular conferences, hit the links in the show note and use the code BITTEN at checkout to get a 10% discount. And then meet your plebs. Download Orange Pill app and get in touch with your nearest plebs. Enjoy this rip with Michael Goldstein, otherwise known as Bitstein. All right, we're here with Bitstein. Michael, welcome to the show. Howdy, thank you for having me. Of course, brother. Of course. What a what an honor. Okay, Lauren, here we go. Are you gonna ask the first question? Yeah. So um why do you think memes are so important? That is a, a very good question and a very, very broad question. Um there's there's a lot to be said about that, I suppose. Um I think I think the way that I, I think about memes, you know, I think about it more than just you know, images with funny captions or, or anything like that. I think of it as, as more broadly, it's just, you know, the, the art of rhetoric and persuasion in general. And I think it's important because, you know, we have, we have a sort of uh, scarcity of, you know, uh, how we communi- can uh, communicate, you know, we only have so much time words and those words you know they they sometimes lack the exact nuance we need to get an idea across um so i see memes as just all these all these various mechanisms we have to try to take complex ideas and compress them into um something much simpler um so it can be sort of more distributed uh but then of course there's also the other side where you have to take um very simple complex ideas um and then flush them out into something um much broader so um basically I, I see it as a way to um try to transmit good ideas um more more broadly um and more effectively um but you know it comes with all kinds of you know crazy complexities of its own to be able to do that uh at, at our fullest potential yeah do you like memes lauren yeah i do like memes i um and now check-in we which is like my thing on my online school where we go in for like 30 minutes and we basically play a game or like share a presentation that we made or um or share our schedule and this game is called make a meme and you basically make up memes and it's really fun sometimes they don't make sense but it's because like there's only there's like a timer and you have to come up with it quick and you're just like, I don't know what to say. Oh, that's that's a good that, skill. It, it it is, you know, I've I've gained a lot from just being on on Twitter, you know, being able to put my words um, you know, make make everything more concise. So, you know, those kinds of constraints can be really good for uh, sharpening sharpening those skills. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And what do you use to create your memes? Is there a certain website? You make, make a meme. Is, make, is Just makeameme.com? Make, make a meme is, um, is a game. Okay. Um, but you can download the memes and stuff like that. 
Right, you download the templates and then you add your own thoughts and your own words. No, you download the meme that you made. Oh, I see. Right, okay. But where are you getting the templates from? Just on make a meme, like okay. yeah, it's all it's all there. <laughs> and there's like a whole voting system, but sometimes it's rigged, like. All right. But yeah. Did you have any other questions? Uh, yeah. Um, what is your favorite thing about Bitcoin? Favorite thing about Bitcoin? I, <laughs> uh, you know, I I should have expected the toughest questions coming from you, um, because that that's how every episode I've heard has been. Uh. I, you know, the reason I got into Bitcoin was because I wanted a a sound money. Um, I think that money is a very underappreciated uh, part of society uh, because a lot of people associate money with all kinds of negative impulses. Um, but it really is the thing that allows us to work together and to to you know build nice things and have a nice society um, because it it enables us to have this division of labor where we can all specialize in the thing we're best at. And Bitcoin does that better than anything ever before. And, uh, you know, that's why I got into Bitcoin and that's why I stayed in Bitcoin. Um, there's, there's plenty of other, other exciting things about Bitcoin, but, um, that simple, but, you know, fundamental, uh, proposition is, is what has kept me here. Yeah. Wow. So, Michael, you see what it says here on the, it says Bitstein, right? His actual name is Goldstein. So what do you think he's done with his name there? Replaced it with the the bit, like the, the start of the Bitcoin, uh, because uh, he said he, um, he, he, um, he likes, because it's better than gold. Yes, yeah, better than gold. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find the words. So, what's your? That's that's exactly it, Michael. What's your favorite meme that you've seen on Twitter? <laughs> My favorite meme that I've seen on Twitter. I mean, uh, I've seen so many. Um, you know, being being on Twitter so long has has basically you know melted my brain. I don't even yeah. know if I can remember all the <laughs> all the memes that I've seen. I, I want to take a peep inside Gigi's world famous meme folder, which I think he has under you know complete wraps and will never be never see the light of day. Maybe one day he'll release it. Uh, I think so. he has a whole data center somewhere to uh, <laughs> yes. to hold it all. <laughs> um, you know, I I think some of the the my my favorites have been just um, when I see the beginning of a meme. So I remember when I saw you know kind of Bitcoin fixes this begin. Um, and stuff like that, because it just just to watch from just someone throws out a, a simple idea and it just kind of clicks with a bunch of people and people start riffing on it and and uh, kind of building it into something and kind of think, you know, unpacking it and repacking it over and over again through that that process. Um, that's that's been, you know, a, a great joy. So, you know, just just for the sake of having an answer, I'll fix this because I, I do remember when. Um, I first saw it and started to see it take off. And I also think that it's it's one of the more powerful Bitcoin memes, um, including for its uh, uh, how controversial it is among uh, the haters. <laughs> yes. Well, the, the haters and just the, the, the non-understanders, the, the people that just aren't there yet. Well, Lauren, do you, do you want to say uh, goodbye? Yeah. yeah. Anyways, bye.
thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for asking great questions. <laughs> thank you. Bye. And yeah, we'll just stick here for a few more minutes on the memes. Um, American Hoddle 6.15. You, you remember that? I'm, I, I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, it, to your point, it's like, okay, I remember the beginning of that meme now. And it still holds significance. And it's crazy. I remember telling him, you know, it was the, the weirdest thing was, um, I swear every day for the longest time, I, you know, I'd take out my phone to check the time and it was always 6.15. Um, it started to weird me out. No way. Uh, so yeah, I think it was, it was starting to, uh, really, it, it was, I, I was becoming 6.15. <laughs> so, uh, and my one of the favorite memes I've ever seen you post uh, was the um, me and the boys gathering around the node. Uh, I, I, where did you dig that one up from? It, it's like, um, I can't even, can you explain it? What's going on? Yes. Uh, well, so, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, for those who haven't seen it, um, I've actually posted that one twice, but, you know, the basic template is uh, me and the boys gathering around our, you know, Bitcoin node as, you know, a special block comes in. So the last time, and I think the more popular posting of it was um, when the halving block was coming up, which yeah. is obviously, you know, a very exciting block for all of us because we get to watch the immutability of the, you know, Bitcoin, you know, the fundamentals of the Bitcoin protocol play out um and there's nothing that any any minor or individual node runner or outside person can do to stop it so it's just a it's a really beautiful moment and it's a very exciting one so that day is always always quite the rush and so i posted that and um basically the video is i believe out of chechnya and it um i the moment i cannot remember what the the ritual is called but it's a um it's a it's a muslim ritual uh that they have there and i i, I forget if it's it's from a particular um sort of uh sect of of islam uh but basically it's 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 these guys they have a a whole thing where they they do kind of this this dance and chanting um and there's a bit of running around the node i mean well, it's, sorry it's not around the node that's just that's me projecting but um they're they're run, they're they have this like very intense bonding ritual and and chant and prayer ritual and uh it's quite a it's quite a beautiful thing on on many levels and uh you know i think a, a lot of a lot of people in our day and age are i would say like lacking the kind of um communal bonds and brotherly bonds that could even allow such a prayer ritual to emerge um and you know the halving is is like the closest us atomized westerners can get to such a thing so i want to celebrate it and you know uh respectfully take from uh their, their rituals to uh you know celebrate our own um you know exciting exciting uh thing it's so, so fitting. I, yeah, I, I don't remember where I saw the video. I mean, I've I've been on my, online my whole life. I've been to to strange corners of the internet. Uh, I feel like a an anthropologist or an explorer, just uh, treading 
you know, going in, going into art uncharted territories and and bringing back back interesting uh, stories and ideas and stuff like that. And that's that's one of those videos that uh, I, I had found. Oh, I, I believe it's called a zicker, if I remember correctly. I think I think if you search it, I think if you put in Z I K R, I believe that's the the word. Um, but yeah, so I I don't remember where I found it, but I think it's just such a it's it's just such a cool thing um I, I like those kinds of uh rituals from all around the world i think you know another great example is the the hakas from the maori people in mm. new zealand um which is all kinds of these you know whether it's whether it's religious or in the haka situation it's more of like a war chant but just those 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 rituals of that like strong brotherly uh bond uh especially when it's sort of reaching for something Thing, uh, perhaps you know uh, more than just you know our our you know day to day little feelings and and something a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I found it. Zikr, you're right. Z i k r. One of the most treasured practices of the Sufi or Sufi Sufi. Uh, Sufi. Yes. Okay. Sufi? So so it was specifically Sufi. So S Sufism is a more like uh, mystical. Uh, islam so an, another famous kind of thing from them is the the you know uh the dervishes yes um uh and they they have a sort of uh ascetic practice where they they literally uh just spin in a circle the whirling um, dervish uh, incredible thing to watch yeah yeah if people like that they should check out a movie called baraka um, okay which which has a lot of a lot of imagery of of those kinds of interesting um religious and other just kind of interesting human practices from all around the world and also just absolutely stunning imagery of both the the human and the natural world yeah i i, <laughs> I think i've found the youtube video it's uh Kadiri Sufi Hadra in Chechnya, mostly translated. It's like 32 minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you probably. Uh, sadly, uh, Twitter only, uh, uh, at least uh, maybe they've changed it with the blue checks, but uh, they had a, a video cut off of like two minutes and 20 seconds. So yeah. I couldn't post the whole thing. No, exactly. But the two minutes you did post was absolutely genius because that's the point where they're all, all spinning around together. Uh, and, um, you know, you, you, Intimate, uh, you know, kind of intimating to the point that they're spinning around the node, and when you dropped it at the halving, was was beautiful. It was perfect, and uh, that was my favorite ever ever meme that you've ever dropped. And I hope you drop it again for for the next halving for those people that that weren't here for for that cycle and have only joined ever since you know the last year or two. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to uh, post it again, and I, I'm sure others will as well. I think it it kind of spread. I saw I saw the video pop up in other contexts as well, which is also the the fun of just kind of these memes. You know, I don't I don't take claim for for things because uh, you know I'm I'm not one to support intellectual property, um, and quite the contrary with a lot of the way that we do memes and stuff is like you're putting things out it's it's meant to be in this sort of uh commons and public domain so that's also the fun of seeing how it spawns in different ways and uh kind of continues to evolve and such did you like fall down this meme rabbit hole because of bitcoin or was this something that you were always kind of interested in growing up 
Oh, I think it's just uh, being on the internet uh, since forever. You uh, see a lot of interesting stuff and you just, there's there's kind of this, I think what we would call memes is just part of internet culture because um, there is this just, you know, you you communicate different online. Um, and uh, it's, it's a, at least, you know, I don't know if it's as much today because of just how, how much things have centralized um you know hopefully you know we're seeing the the rise of of Nostra and other other stuff to try to kind of combat that but basically you know there used to be a world out there where you'd you know find random forums you'd find random blogs you just find all this random stuff and all these all these like dark internet um and kind of like just random corners of the internet and uh yeah there's just all kinds of of interesting ways that people people joke and communicate and uh, share their ideas. So it kind of, it kind of, I don't know, it's just being online. Um, so I don't know that it's as much, you know, Bitcoin specifically, obviously that, that kind of inspires wanting to do, you know, share ideas about a particular thing. That's been the majority of what I've talked about for the past, you know, many years. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's more to do with the internet than Bitcoin in particular. So finding, did you find Bitcoin through a meme on one of these weird corners of the internet? Is that? Oh, no, I, I, a friend of mine told right, me about okay. Bitcoin. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, do you know that that's a good friend? Yeah, uh, that was that was very early on. That was, I, I first heard about it, mind you. I just heard about it in, in 2011. I got, got to watch from the sidelines the uh, 2011 Mt. Gox bubble. Um, where it went from like a dollar ish to thirty dollars and crashed down to under a dollar. Uh, and that was that was fun and interesting, but I didn't really get it to me. It was it was just, you know, I mistakenly thought of it as fiat money. Um, I remember installing Bitcoin QT at the time, so it wasn't even Bitcoin Core yet. It was called, it was just the the desktop app of, of Bitcoin and uh, and everything was just zero and I didn't know anything about how to do with it, uh, which is a shame because I could have easily searched for a faucet at the time and they would have given me mm -hmm. uh, amounts of Bitcoin I could only wish I would have uh, received. But <laughs> unfortunately, like I just is like, you know, whatever. And I, I closed it and then uh, forgot about it. Um, and then it kind of came to light again in, uh, you know, uh, 2012 through, you know, hearing about the Silk Road and uh, that kind of stuff. And I got, I got, you know, reunited uh, with Bitcoin on, on better terms that it was, you know, it was freedom money, but this idea that it was kind of, uh, you know, we can, we can quibble about the meme, but uh, that it was digital gold that resonated with me being a gold bug. Uh, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since, um, I wish I wasn't a broke college learned about it, but you know, uh, live and learn, I suppose. Yeah. I was, I was, I mean, I have no idea, no idea how old you are. So what, what was kind of going on in your life at that point when you were finding all of oh, this? I was, I, I was at, I was at the university of Texas, um, studying right. computer science. Um, but also, you know, doing a lot of, uh, economics research on my own. So I, I got into uh, Austrian economics in high school. 
Um, and that was one of my, my sort of prime, uh, obsessions. Uh, I was very, very deep into that and had very strong, uh, opinions about money and society. Uh, uh, and then, and then I found Bitcoin and Bitcoin was, you know, the, the thing that was going to actually make all of this happen. Um, so, you know, before then there was this idea that, oh, well, you know, we'll just all go on a, a gold standard, but politically that's just completely infeasible. Um, and then also there is very much a, a pessimism around it because there was this assumption that, well, the economy will just collapse and, and then people will, you know, somehow magically learn their lesson and we'll, we'll do better next time. But the issue there is, uh, one, the, the kind of collapse that was, you know, expected of such a thing that that was not coming. It hasn't come, uh, no matter how much you were kind of on the edge of your seat of, of the possibility. Um, not, not that that's impossible and not that things, you know, aren't, aren't bad or anything like that, but, um, to there's, there's a difference even between, you know, the, the inflation we see and, you know, specifically the United States, uh, versus like real, uh, econ economic calamity, uh, especially like, you know, we're seeing, you know, in other places around the world, but in any case, like, you know, from a, from a United States perspective, you know, it was just. It's like very just it's it's also just, you know, pessimistic, um, whereas, you know, Bitcoin comes in and it's the perfect monetary good. And, you know, if there is some kind of uh, economic collapse, uh, Bitcoin would be great uh, as a, an alternative to turn to. Um, and at the same time, I don't actually want economic collapse. And I don't believe that the Bitcoin um I don't believe that Bitcoin, you know, uh, the the value proposition depends on an economic collapse. So, uh, you know, there's there's a number of Bitcoiners who seem to think this, and almost worse, like you know, uh, people on the sidelines or no coiners who who think this um, because they they just aren't necessarily thinking just how much of a superior monetary good Bitcoin really is. And so, from that perspective, it's like you know, we can also have you know just we can just also upgrade, you know. Uh, we don't we don't have to like have our computer crash to go buy a new computer. We can just get a better heart, uh, you know, operating system. Um, so that was that was very uh, very good to be able to find a a thing that you know could actually win because it has all of the properties needed to provide a real, um, you know, improved currency, but also one that you know doesn't rely on this idea of economic collapse and can instead just be a a positive vision so i guess what i'm getting at is you know when you when you rely on an economic collapse for for some kind of improvement you're necessarily coming at it with like a very a very negative and pessimistic vibe whereas if uh if you can just improve the money then you can come at it with a positive and think and think constructively i think more much more constructively if that makes sense yeah completely and i got to ask me how does one fall down the austrian economics rabbit hole in a high school did you have a certain professor kind of giving out books or something instinctively told you what you were being taught there must be another way no no this is uh it's all it's all from being on the internet um <laughs> so uh 
you know, I I was a, you know, uh, I guess, you know, I, I was a, I was you know I, I suppose like a smart kid or whatever, you know, uh, taking a lot of the you know advanced classes, and I you know like to think of myself as you know smart at the time. Uh, you know, of course, as I get older, I know all the things I don't know, but uh, right. and. and also know there are things that I don't know, I don't know, et cetera, et cetera. But like, you know, you know what it's like kind of, you know, being being a, a smarter kid in high school. But this was actually one of the things that did really humble me early on because, um, you know, I think I'm so smart. And then there's this whole economic uh, crash going on. So the the great financial crash of, you know, 2000, 2000, 2007, 2008. And it, it made me realize like I have no clue what any of the words I'm hearing mean. You know, I'm, you know, hearing about all of this, this finance stuff and the housing market, like all, all this. And I, I don't, I don't know what any of this means. I don't know what the word recession means. So it's just all this stuff I hear on the radio and on TV. And I, I you know, as smart as I think I am, apparently I'm not because uh, I don't know anything about this. And so I, you know, I, I was, I was online and I, I saw people and, you know, there was someone who seems to know about uh, economics. Uh, he called himself an anarcho-capitalist and was like, well, capitalist is in there, so you must know. Uh, and I asked him for some reading materials and he sent me um, I Pencil by Leonard Reed and some Rothbard. And uh, very quickly into reading I Pencil, uh, things... I, I had already you know, been reading some of the uh, economics textbook for, for some uh, school-related thing. So I had like a, a vague sense of you know that. And, but reading, reading I pencil made it very clear what a market actually is, uh, very quickly. Um, and, you know, dove into Rothbard and I, I quickly realized like this was, this was, you know, the rabbit hole to go down. And I, you know, became a anarcho-capitalist and, you know, was just studying away. Um, so it was, it was all through sort of just, uh, my own my own personal uh humbling by the the world around me plus uh an interest in just getting to the bottom of this you know very very interesting set of ideas because obviously you know it started with the uh crash but it quickly became uh much more you, you know economics is a very broad field and it it lands on all sorts of uh political topics and and all the rest so you know, it's 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 a very deep, deep rabbit hole to go down. Yeah, bottomless pit, like uh, many of them are. Um, so th th this idea of uh, anarcho-capitalism, these again, like you, I was forty something. I'd never heard these words I, I, in my little bubble. I was uh, stationed out in Singapore for for fifteen years and just head down doing the hamster wheel thing in in financial markets. I didn't have time for politics, so. Learn falling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and brushing up against these kind of terms, they were all just completely new to me. And I had no idea, even like libertarian, like what, okay, what does that even really mean? So how do you try and, um, you know, help people understand you know, the, the, the definition of these kind of words? Um, so that, that's, that's interesting. So I don't, I don't know that I get into as much political discussion anymore. I have, you know, various strong opinions and I can I can go into certain ideas from from Rothbard and others 
um, that I, I think are correct. But I, I really don't go at things from as much of a political angle, um, especially thanks to Bitcoin, uh, because a lot of that stuff just it really does get super messy and and nuanced in, in terms of, of how to communicate it um, and and formulate it. Um, so I don't I don't know that I actually talked to too many people about like what is libertarianism um, so much as just focus on the the hard realities of, of Bitcoin, which I also believe naturally play into a more um, libertarian uh, worldview, you know, where we have, you know, more property rights, uh, you know, less, less, uh, you know, government monopoly, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, it was more in my college days that I'd be, you know, sitting trying to, you know, convince people of of libertarianism in particular. Um, but to me, you know, even even with all of those views, I remember, you know, there were certain camps of the sort of student libertarian world who would be very annoyed by people like us because all we would talk about would be the Fed. It was, you know, this core thing in our sort of. Uh, political platform, if you could, if you could call it that, you know, of, uh, you know, what it is that needs to be done. And they have, you know, their whole long list of, of very issues, various issues, ones that I can, I can certainly sympathize and understand, but like, we were just always going back to the Fed, because of our understanding of how the Federal Reserve is kind of what allows all of this other nasty stuff to happen. You know, that's the money printer is where all of the all of the power to do these things comes from because it's it's the fountain of funds uh, to to do this. You know, there's I I've always loved the the old you know Ron Paul quote about you know the uh, it's you know it's no coincidence that the era of uh, central banking was the era of total war or you know maybe it was, it was the other way around but you know that that there's a, a tight connection with these things and so you know recognizing that. The Federal Reserve, in particular, is is so fundamental to all of this. And you know, with with Bitcoin, you can get to those same ideas without without having to get into the the sort of inherent messiness of of all these other things, which can get you know deeply philosophical or just deeply uh, polarizing. Just talk about that uh, and and get people interested through that. Um, and you know. Uh, th they'll find other things and you know i'm i'm all, also happy to talk to people about it uh but i it's not really it, it, point is, is it doesn't actually come up that much yeah okay well yeah, i was gonna bring up your your piece um towards a new node order uh because you um you started off with uh, a few punchy quotes and i think they're brilliant to to kind of delve into a little bit further uh, and the first one you yeah, start sure. with, the first one you start with is uh, Ludwig von Mises, and um, perpetual vigilance on the part of the citizens can achieve what a thousand laws and dozens of alphabetical bureaus with hordes of employees never have and never will achieve: the preservation of a sound currency. Over to you. I mean. What... <laughs> What a what, a what is there? What, what more is there to say now? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so I remember, you know, back uh, when Ron Paul was running for president, um, I, I wasn't really paying attention to his uh, first 
campaign, but I, I was watching the second and not because I was like political myself. I, I'm really not, I'm not super interested in, in sort of electoral politics. Um, but it was also, it's, it was such a great opportunity to educate people. So because it was there, it's like, you know, it's a great way to, to open the conversation towards these things. And it was at a time that I was, I was more interested in talking about, you know, the, you know, nuances of, you know, my, my political theories or whatever. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've uh, gotten to witness the beauty of thousands of people coming together and chanting and the fed and the fed. Right. Um, it's a, it's a really glorious thing uh, to, to behold. And that's great. And yet, did we ever do it? No. And uh, you know, there's, there's been all kinds of pushes before for, you know, uh, ending the fed uh, through fiat uh, through like a government decree that puts an end to it or through, you know, like let's audit the Fed or, you know, all, all these attempts to, you know, maybe get to the bottom of it. And it turns out that, you know, the better thing to do was to uh, learn how to put hash functions together with digital signatures together with, you know, uh, you know, a, a sort of linked list with a POW thing, like, you know, basically build Bitcoin and create a technical solution that can be uh, merged as a, a real solution to their individual needs, that was going to have much more uh, viability. And what what really saying is that, you know, the government itself, you know, it's not going to limit itself. That's just kind of uh, almost a, a truism in a sense. It, it's not going to, it's not going to do anything to stop itself. And instead, you know, it, it, People have to stand up for their own individual needs and for their own individual rights, um, and on that. And um, yeah, so so for him, it's you know, perpetual vigilance is saying effectively, you know, a people who actually demands having a sound currency is going to do much more than just having a. Um, you know, some some kind of bureaucratic plan because of just how how messy and ineffectual politics is within that bureaucratic system. So, um, you know, I if you actually read the context of that, it especially in hindsight, it's not exactly the most uh, uh, optimistic read because you know since all of that was written, everything has just gotten you know worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, because Bitcoin. Um, and, and this is basically kind of the, the broad point of the article, I suppose, is because Bitcoin addresses people's sort of fundamental needs, you know, created by various kinds of uncertainties that people face um, when engaging with the marketplace and, and need to, you know, have have a good, um, you know, most liquid good to be able to um, prepare for those uh, uncertainties and po potential opportunities. And they have that and Bitcoin just naturally fills in because it's it's superior on basically all dimensions. It can address all of those uncertainties and people just it starts to seep into people's lives such that they depend on it more and more. And that itself sort of creates that perpetual vigilance. Um, and of course, you know, it, it sort of culminates with um, someone, you know, not only holding their own keys, for instance, but also running their own node. 
because that that node is like an actual instantiate instantiation of their vigilance to do the all of the book uh, bookkeeping of the entire network themselves it's like the it's like the highest form of perpetual vigilance you could have with regards to a monetary system and um and and we see in action that the the fruits of this um technology being available and um actually addressing people's real needs whether it's whether it's uh for for savings or being able to uh get a payment uh that is is uh not popular or, or you know whatever else uh it 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 create it, it it sort of makes people demand that more and more and and create the conditions to actually bring about perpetual vigilance so one of if you read other stuff on by by mises about uh around this topic you know he's he's very clear about the importance of ideas um and the importance of being able to spread ideas um because you know economic health, there is this feeling where you know, sometimes you feel like, what did I even learn? Like, it, it, it all seems so simple once you once you kind of get it. It's almost like, you know, you, you did all this work uh, to, to read all these books. And it's like, you know, you have a handful of interesting concepts, right? It's like, okay, well, I get time preference. I get this about, you know, production and, you know, whatever else. Um, but then when you realize, like, and, and kind of what, what he gets at at, at times is, that's basically part of the point. You know, economics can't tell us what the future will necessarily hold. In fact, the whole point is we we don't totally know what the future will hold. But when you have a grasp of how economics works, can basically nip bad ideas in the bud. So as soon as someone is trying to, and th this is where I mean, I, I say I'm not political, and yet all of these things do have, you know, admittedly, very political um, implications. But it's very much in the sense of like, you know, uh, knowing when, when you study economics, you can know ahead of time that putting your hand on a stove is going to burn, and so you can you can just be there to like know, okay, well, I don't want to burn myself, um, and. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, you know, is 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 teaching people that in a way that this society has been basically um, purposefully and not purposefully constructed to make people be okay with burning themselves. You know, we've all fallen into these trips where we have there's very low economic literacy in our society, um, and even among and if not especially among the people who are you know most uh, educated on these topics. Um, you know, they are beholden to beliefs that like, you know, 2% inflation is good for them or, um, or that, you know, uh, minimum wage will not, uh, lower employment more than it otherwise would have been, et cetera, et cetera. There's all these things that people, people just, they, they believe very strange things. Um, but it's also very difficult to get people to, um, you know, learn the alternative. There's there's quite uh, a lot of complacency and uh, and so on and so forth. But Bitcoin really does kind of break people out of it. Um, not only for you know what we see among kind of the crazies like us, where we just you know dive down rabbit holes and get really into things, but also just because of uh, marginal economic benefits. Um, 
so yeah, so <laughs> long story short, uh, this is, it's a very short court quote, but here, you know, just like we were saying with memes, like, you know, you, you compress and you, uh, also expand, but basically Bitcoin makes it easy, like gets people to actually care about their money again. That's that's the key of it because you cannot you cannot just like magically get a monopolist to care about the quality of his good um, that he's offering. Um, but Bitcoin actually makes people have that vigilance and allows them to maintain that vigilance through a full node. And through that, we can actually achieve having a sound currency and enjoy the fruits of that that it brings to society. There's a call to action for anybody listening that isn't running a full node, right? If you're down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and perhaps you've only just started your journey and this might be kind of gobbledygook to you, but there might be a few people there a year or two in, they're holding their, their own keys, they've done all of that. And you know, there's just a natural progression to get to this perpetual vigilance because that is what it is. Again, perpetual vigilance on the part of the citizens, right? That That's us and uh, th this can be achieved this can achieve what a thousand laws and dozens of alphabetical bureaus with hordes of employees never have and never will achieve the preservation of a sound currency. So just by having a node do the perpetual vigilance for you, the money will be sound. And the more, the better. Yeah, and, and no amount of computing from China or elsewhere uh, can right. do anything about that. Um, they, they can't, they can't, change just you know the basic maths uh, math of of the bookkeeping um that your node is doing so there you go plebs go get a node if you don't if you're not running one already and then like really hard hitting uh first opening sentence from you uh, in the introduction the primordial state of man is poverty i mean let's riff on that yeah uh so a lot of the a, a lot of people's beliefs about economics seems to have this idea that you know we live in a world of abundance and if you don't have something maybe someone else does have it um then it was sort of you know it was, it was sort of inherently and had to have been you know stolen or something like that and uh, actual economics it kind of flips that on its head, which is, you know, we live in a world of like extreme scarcity and rivalrousness. Um, and it requires production and exchange to actually have something. So um, I would say, you know, poverty is the default state. Um, you know, some, some people want to believe that it's like, oh, you know, if you're just, you know, in this perfect natural uh, habitat or whatever, it's, it's going to be the garden of Eden and uh, you, you just have everything. Um, but, you know, the, the, the actual natural world uh, can be very, very cruel and, and punishing. And instead, you know, when you're just thrown out into that, you know, it's, it, is, it is exactly that. And you need to, uh, the, the whole point of this whole enterprise of uh, being social and, and um, cooperating is, our means to to alleviate that problem in life. And you reference uh, what you, well, what many call the Malthusian trap as well. Um, you know, you have a piece, a, a small quote by by Hopper, and your, your conclusion is that only through the process of lowering time preference, 
so as to accumulate an increasing amount of capital goods and technology, was it possible to break out of the Malthusian trap set by the limits of resources immediately available by kickstarting the Industrial Revolution? Yeah, um, yeah, and I, I do want to point out to people that when I, you know, there's a, a lot of people who reference something like Malthus, and I'll be honest, I have not read Malthus uh, from the source, but a lot of people that that reference uh, Malthus or Malthusianism are are talking about it from a very, uh, uh, man, what, what to even call it? Uh, not not a very good. Uh, point of view um and it's usually like as a means to like oh we need to you know go uh you know we need to depopulate and stuff like that and that's 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 different from what i'm even referencing that for my point is that is and what mises talks about and from what i can imagine a lot of like the the core of malthus maybe not uh I, I, maybe not even this is his own um interpretations about what to do about it but the core idea that, you know, a given set of resources, you know, a given piece of land, you can only get so much out of, and it can only support a given amount of life. And the point here is that if, if you just have a status quo, then there's only so much that you're going to be able to get out of that. And so you're always going to be constrained by the possibilities of that small piece of land, which, as we discussed earlier, it's like nature in its natural state is is quite unforgiving. So the better we can um, both steward those resources. So that's step one is to make sure you steward those resources well so that what you do have um, doesn't doesn't deplete. But then on top of that, if you are able to save and accumulate savings, so that you can deploy more capital, so you can better um, get the resources you need out of the land. That's great. And then even more so, if you can uh, use that that savings to afford to think up new ways of um, collecting resources, that's where things really get going. Uh, because then you can you can find new ways that you hadn't before with what you have. Um, you can sustain more possibilities, uh, like more more production, um, and it's it's from this that you know when when you have more um, productivity, um, each each bit of savings that someone is able to acquire is necessarily going to have like more value and they're going to be better off from it. And this is, this is kind of where it comes in. I, I discussed the productivity theory of wages and how, you know, things like the industrial revolution. Um, I, I don't mean to suggest that everything about it was hunky dory. Um, but the, the broad sweep of being able to introduce technological innovation is what allows us, uh, to, uh, you know, have have more than uh, subsistence farming, um, which uh, might be unpopular these days. But I like having more than subsistence farming. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, for sure. And then th there's something else that you touch on in the uh, in the piece as well um, about Bitcoin being a strategy for world peace. So what's the what's your thinking? behind that and um when you see uh like the debate that sometimes flares up on twitter 
um, it, it's like the, the Bitcoin fixes this thing, right? Uh, when when people say, you know, Bitcoin is peace, uh, you get a lot of detractors, people that are, I mean, well, there's a big debate with Jason Lowry and his, uh, his thoughts around um, war and Bitcoin and uh, as a weapon. Um, where, where were you trying to, you know, flesh this idea out of uh, Bitcoin becoming a strategy for world peace? Yeah, uh, there's, so there's always been, you know, the, the, the argument, um, it's a classic libertarian argument about, uh, how sound money can, uh, you know, make, make war more expensive. Like I said, you know, I shared that, that Ron Paul quote earlier, um, that's, that's been a part of libertarian thinking for a long time. And I think it's, it's very true. Um, and, you know, especially if you, if you, you know, read, read Hoppe and, and others, you get a sense of just how the scale of war has, has changed as more, um, central banking and such has, has managed to, to finance it. And of course there's also, you know, there's technological progress on those ends so you know people who want to do bad things if they have better technology they have more capacity for bad things of course um but the the scale we've you know lived in this age now for you know a good 100 plus years of uh you know total war um if you remove that main funding source uh you're necessarily going to have a reduction in the um, types of warfare that you can engage in. Um, so that's kind of key one. And, you know, people, people, uh, you know, perhaps including myself in the past, it's like, okay, see, uh, Bitcoin is going to end all war. And then you have the person who comes in and is like, well, it's not going to end all war. And it's, you know, uh, that's a, I, 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 I don't think it ends all war in the sense that, you know, war, war is kind of just a, it's a, it's almost a, a fundamental thing thing that we deal with uh in you know with humanity there's there's this inherent rivalrousness and we just have to find ways to to deal with that and you know private property and such is is our is our best means but you also have to be able to establish private property and deal with people who do not care about private property so but that's like that's like layer one but i'm i'm also was trying to get at sort of the the uh derivative effects the like nth order effects of a bitcoin world becoming a reality which is that uh you know there's also a lot of different types of uh sort of parasitic behavior from the state that you know fuels a lot of uh, a lot of war and such that uh is is less incentivized uh, with the possibility of just number go up. So there's some people who just by virtue that they might be able to make more money by engaging with Bitcoin instead of, uh, you know, working with a an, an agency that they're just kind of like, you know, just a, a big sort of bureaucratic agency. There's, there's a principal agent problem where the that person might just be more interested in Bitcoin because I mean they're kind of if they're interested in in money and power. Well, if you buy some Bitcoin, you maybe you'll get rich um, and more powerful. And so you have that effect where you have this you know principal agent problem where where 
there's there's reasons to defect from the system. So, um, you know, even people who work at the Fed um, will ultimately have some some reason that they need to and want to um, start holding more Bitcoin um, and, and kind of focusing their efforts there. Another thing is that, you know, not only like people people say, you know, taxation is theft and I'm not going to argue with them. Um, but the story doesn't end there is is the thing. Like once once that money's been taken, that's not the end of the story. That money is then funneled into, you know, other ventures that uh, are are basically, you know, in many ways, like weaponized against you. So that money is taken and then put into, you know, this would be something that I know you'd be passionate about, like, you know, the the education system. So money is taken from you. And it's not just taken to you and put in the p pockets of, you know, some fat cats who want to go party or something. That would almost be like less, less uh, offensive to me. Instead, you know, for instance, it's put into an education program that um, propagandizes entire populaces into thinking that, um, this the setup is the correct and just and and wonderful setup and how grateful we should be for it. Um, and so and that that happens, you know, education, but it happens with everything else. I mean, that money is then put into uh, the war machine. That money is then put into, you know, uh, all of these all of these, you know, different um, state things. And then all of the all of the, uh, you know, uh, corporations and businesses and whatever entities are tied up with the state um, as well uh, through, you know, all the crony capitalism. So it doesn't just end at the taxation. It's also like, like all of the rest. So when you think about the reductions that that have to take place as people move to a better money, it also means that all of these things are also reduced. So there's a compounding effect where um, people have more money on them because it, less is is being being funneled away. Less savings is being uh, pilfered, um, not just through you know explicit taxation, but really more so through money printing. That's the the main driver of of everything. So when you put that to an end, people get their savings back and have more productive capacity to get what they want and need in the real world. And then because that money that was taken from them that the, those savings that were pilfered are, are not being used to further um, basically aggress against you, um, that that has that compounding productivity. So you have even more of what you want um, and need and, and less of all of these other more aggressive things. So um, there's there's sort of these just compounding effects of, of creating more peaceful, you know, productive and exchange-based uh you know, market market uh, forces rather than the the state forces, which kind of almost all comes back to uh, the money printing and that having been um, monopolized. It's so true. You, you know, the the downstream effects of what happens to that tax money, uh, we we could never never account for it. You, you like the ripple effects are so huge. Um, yeah. And you can't, again, to, to quote Jeff Booth, you, you can't change the system from within the system, right? This is why Bitcoin is so important. It is a completely different thing. It's a different system, one that is, is not going to feed that beast and that behavior. 
Right, right. And then, you know, the other side of this that I get into is that as people, for whatever reason they might, start to get more, more into Bitcoin, and this effectively also includes, you know, people we don't like, um, you know, Bitcoin is for enemies. So even people within the state have their own natural tendencies towards wanting Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, we're seeing like, you know, uh, El, El Salvador is an example of a country that I, I don't think that, you know, every Bitcoiner is going to stand for everything the government of El Salvador does. And even if at the end of the day, even if, you know, more of their controversial policies are supported, uh, you know, there's still ultimately a state that is built off, you know, uh, aggressive means to sustain itself. So, you know, even if you can, you know, go along with uh, some more controversial things, you're still going to have those feelings at the end. That being said, El Salvador, for whatever reason, uh, we can think of we can think of good and bad potential reasons, uh, but they've been, you know, kind of brought towards Bitcoin. And as soon as that happens, that does open a lot of people's eyes to why, you know, other states might also, you know, want, want to go down similar paths for the same good and for the same ill. And with that in mind, it's just like it's it's like all of us have this sort of gravitational pull towards Bitcoin. And as that happens, we're also much more on Bitcoin. Um, and as we become, become more dependent on Bitcoin, it further compounds uh, whatever sort of uh, cultural, educational, you know, uh, uh, prerequisites or or you know foundations that perpetuate bitcoin you know I, I as like you know marty marty bent likes to point out is like the the biggest threat to bitcoin would be you know apathy if everyone just stopped caring and was like ah we don't need to run full nodes like the whole thing would just fall apart uh, but instead if people are depending more and more on bitcoin um and and having keys and having nodes etc cetera, etc cetera, then it also compounds the capacity for Bitcoiners to keep Bitcoining um, in in a in a real Bitcoin way, um, and so you kind of have that that opposite effect um, where you know the the state is uh, losing at a compounding rate, and then Bitcoin is gaining at a compounding rate um, its its ability to maintain um, the protocol and uh incentivize uh more more peaceful and productive uh modes of wealth creation yeah and you've just described why people suddenly feel that urge to give back to the community right in air quotes and that's why we have like myself starting a podcast or you starting your writing whenever you did however long ago or your own podcast or the nakamoto institute or, you know, Marty starting his podcast and his daily newsletter and, and Stefan and his and builders that, that have made all of these amazing companies in the last handful of years. It, it's it's that creep, that dependency creep that you, I, I didn't realize that that's what I was feeling when I wanted to start a podcast. I didn't realize it was my brain telling me subconsciously, you are going to be fully dependent on this thing and it's going to have to work. Uh, so, you know, in my mind, I thought I've just got to share the the truth I found, the knowledge I have. You know, it, it felt selfish to keep it inside, and especially when friends and family weren't listening. But I think just from listening to you there, that uh, you've probably plumbed into some uh, a deeper emotion 
of that, you know, being dependent on Bitcoin. And if it's going to become what it's going to become, a, a new node order, we do need extra people to, to, to step up and start talking about it and educating in their own unique way. And it, it, it is inevitable. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really do think that, yeah, there's some, I think all of us, you know, it does, it does sort of bite us and we get this sort of uh, evangelist uh, proselytizing um, yeah. attitude towards it. And yeah, I do think it's because, you know, we look out and, you know, we see how it's benefited us personally, and we want others to just have that kind of benefit. We also want to just be around more people like us you know, that, that share these values. Um, and if you can educate people, then, you know, you can win people over and have, have more Bitcoin friends. Um, so that, you know, you just know that there's one, one fewer person who's trying to, uh, you know, uh, take from you. Um, well, they'll, they'll still come up with all kinds of creative ways to, uh, try to get your sats. Um, mm. <laughs> but, but that's okay. After all, um, everybody is a scammer. It's Michael. so, true. so I'm not, true. I'm not sure if you were aware of that, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that, you know, education is kind of the thing. Like in many ways, like, you know, I I don't want the tech itself sound inevitable because I know a lot of devs would, would be upset with me because it, it kind of uh, sounds like it would be diminishing their hard work. And that's that's not at all the intent. But I think the, you know, the technology as it stands has so much going for it um with uh how we put it like way way less room for you know risk than uh you know we could have ever dreamed um that you know now and it's kind of always been like uh, i don't know like education to me seems like the the big part that um i've always been drawn to it was like okay like how do you how do you get more people because the the more people that are demanding bitcoin the more, uh, you know, incentive there is to keep uh, working on the technology. Uh, the technology we, when when Satoshi came out with it, there it was it was it had bugs, um, but the basic fundamental technology was good enough that the the could run on it. And once again, some some devs are going to get really mad at me for saying things like that, and I I recognize uh, why they would, but. Um, the tech was the tech was there, like the tech idea, and you know there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, but tech itself, like, is one thing. You also have to get people to actually use the tech, um, and that requires uh, education towards it. You know uh, about it, what it is, why we have it, why we need it, um, how it works, uh, etc. And um, you know there's. There's a, a a great division of labor there where there's people who can put their heads down and, and just work on the, you know, kind of uh, building new tooling that makes it even easier and more accessible um, and, you know, creates the conditions for more education. Uh, but then also, yeah, this this broader uh, need to go to go out and to go out and preach. <laughs> and do you remember um, that moment you realized that you you needed to to go out and preach and start building? like the mindset oh, you were in. I mean, in. I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guy as, well, as, as soon as I, I learn about something, I'm, I'm not going to shut up about it. So right. <laughs> uh, this, this would have been, you know, uh, I don't know, late 2012, early 2013 or wherever. Um, 
I don't I don't think I've shut up about it since. So. <laughs> and when did you uh, launch the uh, the the Nakamoto Institute website? Um, I I launched the website in late 2013. So we're coming up on 10 years um, of that of that being there. Congrats, man. Well, I mean, what a resource for for people to go and, and check out. And uh, you've obviously done podcasting as well. So you've been uh, a huge uh, influence in, in people's uh, journeys. It's it's been it's been an honor and it's been very humbling um, just to, you know, to, to have people, you know, tell me it's like, oh, that, you know, they saw it's like I forget about these things sometimes. And then, you know, for you to come out, it's like, oh, I re remember that the, the guy's running around like that really changed me. Um, <laughs> you know, that's it's 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 quite amazing um, what you can you can accomplish by putting out a meme, you know, Um but it it really is it's an honor to you know I to be able to help people um, all around the world and to to just hear that it's it's had an impact, um, you know I'm I'm just I'm glad to be of service. And what are the next steps? Uh, I know you've uh, started adding content back in um, in the podcasting world, and and I thank you for doing that because this is. I'd missed Guy drop this um, this article, and it was only by checking your podcast feed that uh, that I found it, and uh, managed to uh, you know big shout out Guy Swan, thank you for everything you do as well, uh, for you know reading out all of these articles. But what's your plans going uh, into the next couple of years of of, of how to keep up the uh, the education? Yeah, um, so I I started a Substack, um, and I'm I'm writing about Austrian economics and Bitcoin. And the idea there is that, um, you know, uh, a lot of the discussions around Bitcoin um, obviously become very heated. And um, there's also just, there's so many more new people showing up all the time that they've, they haven't heard about any of this. All that they just, you know, they heard about number go up or, you know, whatever. And that was enough to draw them in. And, um, you know, they, they're so eager to learn more and, I I'm 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 hoping to provide more resources to give just very foundational ideas about the economics of Bitcoin and uh, the social theory of Bitcoin and and all of that so that um, we can really understand why this thing matters uh, and why it's so great um, and it's it's based on you know all the stuff that I I read so many years ago and have just been continued to to be so interested in and try to try to package those ideas up in a way that is accessible and interesting to Bitcoiners. Uh, you know I in a way that makes them want to stack more sets. Like that's kind of that's kind of the goal, right? Uh, is, is we're all just here to pump our bags and chill. Uh, but my way, you know, <laughs> if if I if I can teach you enough about how bitcoin just fundamentally works at this in this you know economic social way that you go out and, and stack more sats then i know that i've i've done my job well um so i'm i'm writing there uh, is uh, bitstein.substack.com um ho i'm i'm really hoping i can find more time to write that's the that's the difficult part is unfortunately there's just only so much time. So, um, you know, I, I, my, my goal is to be writing more on that. Um, and then, uh, I do have a lot of, of things planned, uh, for the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute. Um, it's, 
it's mostly just been this uh, online resource that has been available to everyone for for quite some time and a lot to to be gained from it. And um, I think Bitcoin has proven itself enough that um, it warrants renewing efforts in the Nakamoto Institute and uh, really uh, building out the these sort of educational and, and social possibilities of of what we can have by just having having a, a strong uh, curated library of of resources for people. So um, I'm hoping to uh, you know do a, do a lot of work with that as you know just I I really like you know the, the let me step back when I started the Nakamoto Institute website the one of the one of the main drivers was I just wanted to, you know, have, uh, you know, respect for this this whole Bitcoin thing and the the intellectual lineage and Satoshi's writings and all all that interesting stuff. The other side of it was that there was, you know, a, a large move of people who wanted to underplay the libertarian influences on Bitcoin and specifically, and you know, by that, from a political sense, but just like this, you know, these really core radical ideas of you know like self-sovereignty and stuff like oh that doesn't matter oh it's like a new it's just a new app or whatever it's like no there's like real fundamental things we're dealing with and part of the website was also just you know people can say that all they want but i'm gonna just have this on online so that if people can want to find it they can and they can they can learn about um what i think are sort of the the core ideas underneath it. And um, I'm really interested in laying out those uh, foundational um, things for, so that we can, we can, we can understand Bitcoin on its strongest terms um, to help perpetuate our capacity to keep it going uh, for as long as we can, uh, because that perpetual vigilance is, is everything we have. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's weird, isn't it, that you, you come when you come into the rabbit hole and you start learning about Bitcoin and what it means and Austrian economics, as much as it seems so damn complicated, it it really is just more in, intuitive than than anything else. And that that's that goes hand in hand right. with Austrian economics, right? It it just right, makes right. sense. Yes, at the same time, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people love talking about Austrian economics, but um, at the same time, sometimes, sometimes it becomes just sort of a tribal signifier. Um, and I'm, I'm not even one of those people who gets mad about tribalism, but I just, I'm recognizing that just it becomes a label. You know, mm. it's just like, oh yeah, I like Austrian, but you know, uh, that doesn't always port over into actually getting into the nitty gritty of like, you know, why, why leave X about money. Um, and and really getting getting all of that fleshed out, and so you know, part of it, like right, you know, it's it's hard to get, and I understand why it's hard to get people to read nine hundred pages of you know a, a Mises tome or something like that. Uh, but if I could get them to read that kind of thing, you know, a few thousand words at a time, because it's it's an interesting piece, um, then we can get to the same place and kind of once again like flesh out those those real foundational things, so that you know. When you put that label on uh, as a tribal signifier, it really means something, um, and it's it's not just it's not just a, a a word to mean like oh well like you know I'm not a Keynesian, uh, but it's like no you you have this more positive understanding of 
of how economics works and why Bitcoin really is as great as it is. Um, you know, I, I would love to help people kind of further flesh that out so that so that uh, they can they can have a deeper grasp of of what they're feeling. We need some bumper stickers, Michael. I think you know, make savings great again or fun again. <laughs> <laughs> that that goes hand in hand with the make savings possible again. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, <laughs> you you need to. That's what you need right there. Austrian economics, Bitcoin bumper stickers. That, uh, that's, that's like that's, my, my that's Twitter, Twitter brand, on crack. It? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've got four words. All right. Uh, I've got to ask you the final question before we wrap it up. I've just looked at the time. We've got about 10 to 15 minutes left. If you had one last orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? Yeah. Um, I was asked this on another podcast as well. Uh, I was like, who, who to most? And, you know, I... I've thought about this, I suppose, because, you know, how I, I think we all, you know, we see we see like Elon Musk rise up through, you know, kind of the things things going on. It's like, oh, yeah, how do we how do we orange pill uh, uh, Elon? And it's like, you know, uh, especially uh, when we see him starting, you know, getting into Doge or whatever. It's like everyone wants to go in and orange pill him or, you know, anyone who shows us like, how do we how do we get someone on to orange pill Joe Rogan? Yeah. Um, so it's like everyone, everyone is already constantly thinking about that. So um, it's just kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, as I was thinking about it, like to me, I think you'd want someone who has, you you, you want them to have like the biggest sway over the, the, the most people um, and kind of also gets most to the sort of foundational uh, I don't know, fabric of society. Um, and so when I think of that, you know, I, I, I tend to gravitate towards probably wanting to orange pill the Pope because I, as much as the, the, the Pope is no longer, uh, quite the same, uh, in terms of like real political power and maybe not even real spiritual power. Um, there are still a lot of people paying attention to everything that comes out of his mouth um, and every feeling. Um, there's obviously a lot of controversy that that they have around just like what does and does not come out of the the Pope's mouth um, and and what kind of ideas. So to me, it seems like one of the most like the ways that you could really uh, shift the foundations of of uh, the 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 global you know zeitgeist or you know the the global just like kind of feelings towards bitcoin would be um you know if i could if i could orange pill the pope and get him uh to understand how how bitcoin um fits in with a uh perhaps a, a spiritual life and also just the the health of a people um and and just kind of kind of those those interplays, I think that would probably have the the highest impact. Um, I'm curious if you have any other ideas of like who would be highest higher impact, like who? Because I, I I don't know if you feel the same way. It's like I you know I want the biggest impact. Like what you know, let's go for let's go for broke. So uh, do you have like an idea of like who would be bigger? Uh, no, 
Uh, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than that, does it? I guess you could go for every, you know, what was the Pope equivalent across all religions and get them all in a room and do the uh, do the orange pilling session then. I guess I guess the thing is, like, you say that and you can't even name who they are. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, you you the the construction where it's like you have a single pill. So it's like you can't you can't go. I mean, does anyone even know who like the the chief rabbi in Jerusalem is? And exactly. like as far as like the rabbinical structure, it's not really like chief rabbi doesn't quite mean the same thing as as the pope. Um, so as far as like just a single person, I don't I don't know who who would be the the bigger single. Individual. Um, I, I think that you know certain individuals like Elon. If he, if Elon came out as just like a pure maxi, uh, like like you or I or something, I think that would probably have some interesting ripple effects. But at the same time, like not not everyone. You know, it's it's a very like divided thing. It would be kind of I I don't know how much of like a a direct impact it would have on on people making you know large decisions. Uh, and then you could say something like the president, um, but like if if Joe Biden came out as a uh Bitcoiner, I mean maybe that I I I don't I don't know what that would look like. I don't know how people would react necessarily, but it just doesn't seem like it would have as much of a then one one half of the country is just going to decide to not like Bitcoin or right. something. <laughs> yes. um, so I, I feel like, yeah, I, I just I have, be, have a harder could be... time thinking of some single individual <laughs> who would ultimately have some uh, larger ripple effect on on people's gravitation towards Bitcoin. Yeah, you're, the, the Biden announcement could be the real 51% attack on Bitcoin, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Um <laughs> I also think, you know, um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin is not a religion. Um, people, people obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of joking back and forth. And of course it's like people who attack it as a religion, it's like, yeah, okay. You know, sure. It's a religion. Give me tax benefits. Um, uh, but you know, ultimately Bitcoin, Bitcoin is just you know one part of a, a broader life, and it is not the the be all end all of you know say spirituality or whatever. That all being said, um, I do think that that's a the the connection of between Bitcoin and say spirituality or philosophy, just whatever it is your 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 thing might be of just you know wherever you gain a sort of uh, broader appreciation of of life and and all that uh i think that's i i think that is probably something that needs to be explored a lot more like how deeply does it impact us really to have bad money um i think it's underappreciated people people get mad at bitcoiners for thinking everything comes back to the fed but and and money printing and stuff but you know when i look out it really does a lot of it really yeah. does seem like it, it's connected. And how does that deteriorate, deteriorate us, not just from like a sort of political, pure economic standpoint, but also just our outlooks on life, how we connect to one another, how we connect to the world around us. And so I think there's a lot of deep study that needs to be done to think about how things as fundamental to humans as money um, 
And I, I would also throw in there things as fundamental as language, which has become a very hot topic over the past however many years now as well, um, where people people are having fights about, you know, how should we be using language? Um these are these are very deep questions. And so I also imagine if you could if you could orange pill the Pope, um, we'd also probably see ripple effects of people uh thinking much more deeply about those interconnections. And I think we would all be um very enriched. Um, you know, people you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, other religious leaders would take from that as well. And also, um, you know, think about these topics and then, you know, for, for other people, just wherever they get these things, like just start thinking about these topics in a deep way. And, um, I think we live in a much more beautiful world if people, uh, you know, understood the value of Bitcoin and also its implications for, uh, our, our perception of life itself. And to bring it all the way back around to where we started, per perpetual vigilance and a node world order, what would be your recommendations, your, your true action points for anybody listening now that, that isn't running a node and, and wants to get you know their, their, their hands dirty and get a node working so they can be part of this new node order? Where, where would you point them to and what would be your best advice? Um, I would honestly probably just suggest starting off by going to Bitcoin Core, downloading it, um, hopefully learning how to verify signatures and all that. But even just to start out, just, just getting something running. So like literally just open Bitcoin Core. You can even, I think the uh, some of the early dialogues that come up, like even tell you, ask if you want to prune. So if you don't have, you know, enough hard drive space, you don't have to worry about it. Just put in that you, you know, just. 10 gigabytes or whatever you might want to do, but just literally get it up and running and watch it sync. Um, that's the place to start. You don't need, you don't need any extra uh, hardware or anything like that. If you just have a laptop um, with some extra hard drive space, you know, even if it's just 10 gigabytes, just get it up and running just to see. And once you have that, um, you know, maybe start looking into how how to interact with it more. Maybe how to um, use a wallet like Blue Wallet or Sparrow or one of the others that can connect directly to the uh, full node. Do it, and then and then and then watch. Uh, like you know, set up a wallet and just see how your keys interplay with it. But just you know, start very simple. You don't. I mean, you know, it's cool if you want to go get one of the the whole fancy node setups, but one of the other great things about Bitcoin is that it's literally just open source software. It's been built to work on pretty much any computer as long as it has some some pretty minimal um, resources. So just just get it up and running. Just all you have to do is double. Like I think I think most people listening know how to install a piece of software. Um, the Bitcoin installation is no more difficult, and uh, you can just you can just make it happen. It's just it, it it's just happening right there in front of you you get to watch it sync it's going to take a while it's going to be uh fun to watch and like that that moment when it finishes syncing given you've listened to me hopefully read my article um and interacted with bitcoiners more you already have the prerequisites that when you finally syncing and finally synced 
you're going to know what that means and it's going to hit you. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it'll spur you to, to go do other stuff to just kind of improve your Bitcoin game. But like I said, just start very simple. Just go download Bitcoin core. Don't worry about raspberry Pis or, you know, some, some other kind of computer or what, like uh, hardware you need, just like literally on your laptop, just go install Bitcoin core and uh, just, just feel it. I think therefore I am. Yes. <laughs> Love it. There's a there's the bumper sticker. There's another one. There you go. All right. Man. We need to get off of this so we can get our uh, LLC set up and uh, go contact some printers because you and I have some bumper stickers to make. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> all right. Will, will they look good on a Lambo though? That's the thing. I'm not sure we would have a, a, a big market to sell to. It's been... Awesome hanging out with you, mate, and doing this uh, this rip. Uh, a huge thank you on behalf of the community and for myself for everything that you've done in the past and everything that you're going to do going forward because I know you're not going to give up. And uh, I'm really looking forward to reading these pieces about Austrian economics and Bitcoin and furthering my knowledge as well. Uh, you're an excellent educator and been um, yeah very influential in many people's journeys. So thanks for everything and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. And again, you know, I'm, I'm glad and, and grateful to be of service. So, um, yeah. And uh, for anyone who's listening, you can find me on Twitter at Bitstein and my DMs are open. I can't guarantee that I'll, I'll, I'll get to you, but, uh, you know, please try. Um, and if there's any way that I can help you better understand Bitcoin, that's what I'm here for. Love it. And will you be making any appearances at any conferences that uh, that you might be Putting on your calendar um, this year. I, I will be at the uh, Bitcoin Takeover um, coming up next month here here in Austin, Texas. Um, and beyond that, I don't I don't have current plans, but that can always change. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Have a great day. All right, you too. Well, there you go, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Michael. Make sure you are following him. Reach out in DMs, as he said there. He is trying his best to educate as many people as he possibly can about Bitcoin and help you and others along your journey. Uh, he's there to help. So, like I said, reach out. And go to one of these conferences. Bump into him. The, the one he just mentioned there that he's going to be at. Um, I know I've talked about this in the past. It's a big reason why I'm a a board member now of the orange pill app because i believe in the plebs i believe in this movement i believe in what we're doing what we're trying to achieve there is so much going on there's so much already been achieved but so much more work needs to be done and it is boots on the ground guerrilla marketing efforts grassroots movements that's going to move this and if you are one of those people that is sitting around thinking to yourself my god I see the problems and I know the answers, but how do I help others? Well, the first thing you can do is find others, but you've got to find others who are like you. It stops screaming into the void. Stop it. You've done that for God knows how many months or years. Find your people. You can download Orange Pill app and it's going to tell you who's in your vicinity. There might be someone five miles away. There might be someone 150 miles away. Either way, you can find each other set up a call, set up a meeting point, go and try an orange pill, a restaurant or a bar or a cafe or a pub and just start very, very slowly. But start because this is on us. This is how we do it. This is how we take this thing forward. 
it's down to us nobody else bitcoin does not have a marketing department it's us so we've got to meet each other and we've got to build out this social layer because we feed off of each other wait until you meet another bitcoin bitcoiner if you've never done that if you've never been to one of these conferences and stood there face to face with another bitcoiner you haven't felt what what this thing is it's truly unbelievable it's amazing uh, a friend of mine izzy called it the other day biomagnetic nodes we are biomagnetic nodes that might sound woo woo to some of you that might just be tuning in and, and learning about bitcoin you, maybe you've just stepped into the bitcoin rabbit hole but you will find out very quickly those conferences they're all over the place now or meetups there's events live on orange pill app so you can go and find events close to you Otherwise, get to the conferences, the big ones you know, Miami in May, in Prague in June, Liberty in Our Lifetime. You'll meet people outside of the Bitcoin arena, but who are building parallel structures as well. So you can get tickets for all of these and get discounts if you use the links and the codes in the show notes. And make sure you're stacking. You know where to stack now. Swan Bitcoin in the US, Relay in Europe, Coin Corner in the UK and Europe and Hoddle Hoddle globally and Hoddle Hoddle are a KYC free platform and they have their own conference and that's an amazing one to get to. Get to that one. There are no discounts for that. Sorry, nobody, not, no podcasters are going to be able to offer you a discount for that. They don't need to offer discounts. It's going to get sold out. So get over to the Hoddle Hoddle website and get some tickets ordered up to Latvia and um, it's held in Riga, 3rd of September. So with all of that said, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're up in your privacy game. You can use Wasabi Wallet. Please use Wasabi Wallet if you're waiting for a hardware device to turn up in the post. Do not leave this to chance. Get everything you can off and out of these exchanges and apps and into your own grasp, not your keys, not your coins. So you can download Wasabi Wallet whilst you wait for a signing device and you can run some coins through a coin join service. Watch that magic happen in front of your eyes. And then when you do get that device, shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten, they will ship worldwide. Use the code bitten for 5% discount and you can use that signing device, a hardware wallet, write down your 12, 24 words, whatever it is, and you're in control. You are now in control. Then, if you're not running a node, listen to what Michael said in this interview. Go and search around for other interviews. I've had Ketan on the show. He's got a great YouTube series, How to uh, Build a Node and Run a Node. And there's many more podcasts out there where you'll be able to get up to speed on that. and Just reach out to your plebs. And like I said, if you get to a conference, go find someone and talk about nodes. What did they do? What were the you know the, the the pitfalls what are the benefits what are the things the problems that they were running into and you're going to be you're going to be golden you honestly it it's it's a great thing to do and definitely something we should all be doing to improve our knowledge about bitcoin i have rambled loved the episode thanks for coming on michael looking forward to catching you soon and any of you guys as well if you see me at any of these conferences please come up say hi and uh, looking forward to having a beer, shaking your hand, looking you in the eyes, feeling that that biomagnetic nodism. Anyway, take care, guys. Catch you on the next show.